Okay, welcome to Nose to Nose with uh, Gino and Mike. Hello. How you doing, Gino? What's going on? I'm doing well. Uh, sipping on some old-fashioned grapefruit juice that you gave me. Cool. I didn't spike it with anything, in case you're wondering. Uh, it's very reminiscent of the 1950s when they used to eat half a grapefruit for breakfast. Luckily, I never grew up in that. So Gino just had a birthday. He is now... Um, 25 years old. This is disgusting, I think. I think it's disgusting too. Tell me about it. Then we went to we went to see a movie. We went to see probably I don't know, he's how does he made about 12 14 movies this Shalom guy. What's his name? M Night Shyamalan. Shyamalan, yeah. I've seen most of his early movies and I was impressed in the old days. But then they all started to fall apart. Now, have you seen many of uh, Night's films? No, I have not which is usually the answer for me on this podcast because I'm way less knowledgeable about film stuff. I got, I got to recommend, I got to recommend the, the Sixth Sense, so it's really terrific. I think it's his first film. And then I, Signs, I thought you saw Signs. I've one, seen Signs. The, the crop sign thing. I've seen Signs. It's one of those movies that'll come on cable TV yeah. and you'll kind of watch it. Like You'll catch the first, you'll, you'll catch it 30 minutes after it starts and you'll mm-hmm. finish it till the end you never actually watch it all the way through. That's kind of how I watch it with commercials and stuff. But I've never sat down and watched it on my own recently. It's, it's worth your time. But the first one is really worth your time, this um, Sixth Sense. The kid is great, and uh, I never care about... Um, the Sixth Sense is with um, the guy who did the Die Hard series, right? Exactly. Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis is in, is in many of these films, evidently. And he's quite good in this. I don't like him normally, and here he plays an actually normal straight married man kind of thing and with a little kid the kid's does famous he, does he not usually play he's usually playing a shaved headed psycho psycho on the streets you know in his diehard series so what night i'll keep calling him night it's easier what night does is basically um sort of science fiction supernatural films that's what they are they all they all have a twist every one of his films you go through it, oh, okay, and then suddenly it has a snap ending and it's a, a very clever twist that you could not see coming. So now we saw the new one today called Old, which is a terrible title, by the way. He has uh, cameos in a lot of his movies, He's he pop, which yes, I started to realize. Yes, he thinks he's Alfred Hitchcock. He pops in his movies a little bit. Very from, uh, Quentin Tarantino. Is, is he, is he, does, I didn't even know yeah, that. Yeah, he does it a lot. He? he likes to pop in. He doesn't have major roles, but he'll have some screen time. Mm. Unless it's, depending on the movie, like From Dust Till Dawn, he had a bigger role. Mm. Well, he is this guy's films, uh, whether it's Glass or Unbreakable or The Village or I don't know. They all have a cool cast and they have the, the surprise ending. And what bothers me about Old, but we'll talk about Old, Old does the same thing, except it does even more. Elaborate. Well, let's talk about the film first, then we'll get to that. So um, we went to a live movie theater again, big screen. What did you think of the opening? The opening 15 minutes? Of the trailers or him talking? Of the movie. But you, in fact, you missed, you missed the beginning because you were out in the john somewhere. He's, he's on screen at the very beginning before the film even starts. Thanking you to coming, for coming back no, to the movie theater. Did you see that thing? That's I heard it. Nice, I was it was a nice idea. Then the movie starts. So you have these folks, nice family, 
going to some posh resort like the Four Seasons or Ritz Carlton or something, some, Four Seasons on some island or some yeah something like that. And um, the moment it opens and they arrive at this this elegant place and the lady serves the drinks, my first thought is, don't drink the drinks. Already I was set up for something. Well, they were a little too perfect. Absolutely. And I said, don't do it. <laughs> well, the first five minutes in the van. Well, the van, they start, they travel to a... Well, you know how they always say that in the first five minutes of a movie, they will always tell you the plot and how it ends? Sure. That happened in the beginning of the movie. I'm not going to ruin it, but when they were conversing with each other, they kept mm-hmm. saying a lot of things about enjoy your moment as a kid or stop rushing it and things it, of exactly. that nature. They set it up. And yes. it was interesting. I thought the beginning of the movie had a crescendo buildup. So it started getting eerie very quickly, but in small mm-hmm. amounts. Well, he accelerates everything with music. So he, he, he loves... Yeah, the, the buildup was, mm-hmm. was steady and it was from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Because even the family enjoying themselves in the car, there were still levels of eeriness and kind of weird. There was a weird vibe. Maybe just because I knew what the movie was about or the type of movie. Maybe if I would have well, watched it. We had it seen the version. trailer and the trailer, we knew it's a movie about suddenly people getting old. Yeah. We know that from the trailer. So if I would have yeah. seen it virgin, maybe I wouldn't mm-hmm. have realized the crescendo as much. But since I already knew going into it, my predisposition kind of realized that it's getting eerie quickly. Well, I had a, an instant problem with the film because the the actor, the husband, is is a little guy we had at the Chicago Film Festival years ago, about 2000, when we gave him a prize for acting in an award-winning Mexican film called Amores Perros. Amores Perros. Okay. And it's uh, Gail Garcia Bernal, who suddenly I'm looking at him on the screen as his old man, who can't speak English very well, if he's speaking English, I thought, oh my God, what happened to Gail? He's old. Well, his wife, it was interesting because they paired him up with... She had an accent, didn't she? She must have been Nordic. I thought she was Swedish, yeah. Some, yeah, some Nordic country or Eastern European, but she sounded more yeah. Nordic. And this guy, I couldn't, I said, my, I kept saying, what happened to the kid? He's, <laughs> he's already an old man. He's an old man now. And I felt he was also type miscast in this thing. And he, he spoke very little until when he started speaking, I thought, oh boy, this dialect's not going to work. I don't like him. You didn't think he was a good fit for the movie? Not at all. Not at all. Well, interesting take on casting two people with accents. Because the kids spoke perfect English because, of course, it's an American story. They lived well, in America. I figured the whole family was American because of the kids. Yeah. yeah. They probably did the backstory knowing mm-hmm. that those people were immigrants of some sort. Did how long did it take you to find out that everybody on this secluded beach had an ailment of some sort? It didn't. It, it didn't dawn, dawn on me for a while. It took probably a third of the movie because the beginning of the movie, the girl has that seizure at breakfast, and then the other girl talks. Girl, wife, daughter. Which one is has a seizure? No, we're talking about the black girl with the Asian guy. Okay. That was a separate couple. Correct. Then the, which so there was, so for, for people trying to understand what we're talking about, there was an original family which was a husband and a wife and two kids. Then there's another couple which is an Asian guy and a and a black woman. Then there's another couple 
which is a bigger family. It's a white old doctor, his bimbo girlfriend. We call it trophy wife. Trophy wife. His mother and their daughter. So that's the third family. And somewhere you said there's a dog that I do not remember. And they have a dog. I do not remember this dog. Well, the dog doesn't come up much on screen, but we'll we'll touch back on that in a little bit once we talk more about the story. But that's that's a whole other interesting, fun tidbit. But all these families, because the way the movie opens up is all of them at breakfast at the resort. At the fancy resort, so yes. the black girl has a seizure. Mm-hmm. And then the trophy wife, white girl, talks about how she needs calcium rich she has she has has a calcium uh, deficiency yeah and she's very la Mm -hmm. i need drinks with only calcium in it and she's like are you sure this has a lot of calcium in it and stuff like that yeah got it and then there was and then the the resort people say oh you know we have this fabulous place only for special clients that uh, we'd like to introduce you to if you're interested right then they haul them off on a minibus to this secluded section of the island it's uh, for people trying to understand what it is it's a secluded beach where the beach comes up to a topographical flat top rock formation so there's maybe 50 feet of beach and then just probably 200 foot rocks that surround the whole beach that's surrounded yeah and but you have to, to to get to you have to sort of walk through a cave thing. Yeah, but when they get to the to the beach, the guy who's driving them from the hotel drops them off at an entrance of a gate that's that says natural nature preserve, like don't come in. And then they get there and he's he's like, all right, you guys can walk down to the beach. You'll find it five ten minutes that way. And the doctor's like, are you not going to help us carry our bags? He's like, no, i got to get back to the hotel. Which was strange because no one just drops. If you're part of a full-service hotel, no Maybe one just true, drops true. you off somewhere. Yeah. Now, you know, the driver was, was... Was M. Night. Was M. Night, yeah. Which I didn't know that until you mentioned it because I didn't... Well, know. I recognized him from the intro. I thought, oh, yeah, that's, well, I didn't know that's what, him. Well, I missed the intro, so I didn't know what he looked like. Yeah. So when he dropped him off, I was like, uh, you said, oh, that's him. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. He drops them off. They, then they take all their supplies down to the beach. Um, I didn't think it was unusual, but they did. Well, then they're on the beach, and then things start to slowly happen. Well, when you get to the beach, there was a cut scene for a second where it was a girl going in the water and another gentleman who looked like a rapper, which he ended up being a rapper in the movie. Also, caveat, his name was Midlife Sedan, or Midsize Sedan. Yeah, Midsize, yeah. Which made me laugh because it's the worst rap name ever. Yeah, it was silly. But maybe that's what he was trying to do. A lot of things were silly, actually. Yeah, M. Night Shyamalan is kind of playful. That's why when we talk about, back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago with the dog. So The first thing to die was this dog that I don't remember even being in the film. The dog dies. So the the way that that happens is, and we're just, I guess we're going to ruin the, the movie for people to a certain extent. No. We'll not ruin it, but we're not going to ruin the ending for you, but we'll give you a certain amount of synopsis of what it means. The kids, people start having problems at this beach. So 
the kids that were five and what twelve. I, I can't tell age because I really well, that's what know. the original age were because they said it started to age when but, when they go through this 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 crevasse again, right? No, that's that's once they get to the beach after like being there for a little bit, they start aging, I and thought, the mom freaks I, out. I thought the kid had to wander in again, and then he came back out. Suddenly, he was a teenager. Anyway, anyway, no, I don't no? think so because originally. That cutscene that I talked about earlier with the rapper and that girl, that girl washes up on shore dead. Correct. So the doctor is not suspicious of the black guy or the rapper. And it was very well played in terms of they made it seem. They made it seem like a like a dynamic between white people and black people where the doctor was immediately like, oh, this black guy did this and murdered her. And the guy's like, I was just waiting for her to come well, back the, from swimming. But, but from square one, the the black guy, the, that rap, whatever you want to call him, I forgot what he really is, scientist, whatever he really is in life, is constantly bleeding at the nose from square one, which, if, I don't know if you notice that, yeah, yeah. he's always bleeding. And well, suddenly, the, you know something is wrong. Well, that's why the doctor thought that there was foul play because he's bleeding, so he thought that maybe the girl punched him in the face or trying to yeah. protect herself. Right. And the guy's like, I've just been waiting for her to come back from the water. Mm-hmm. And then she came back dead. He's like, ever since I've come to this beach, I've been bleeding. But that's where we mm-hmm. start finding out that every person that is on the trip has a medical ailment has because medical, the rapper goes, a medical oh, ailment. I have a blood clotting disease. And mm-hmm. he's like, the girl I came with had some other type of disease then you start slowly finding out that every person besides the kids mm-hmm. have some sort of medical disease. Which I, I didn't really put that together till much later, but uh, like the you're, you're learning it along the way. And I was, okay, so what? Yeah, like the yeah. the original Swedish mom has a tumor. Right. The she yeah she, we know that she's ill and the tumor's growing. The Mexican guy you were talking about had what was his? He, did he go deaf? No, he went blind. He goes blind. Towards the, but because he's getting older, yeah. he could have probably fixed that with glasses. But he just ages. Isn't it they age a year every hour? Every thirty every, minutes, every 30 it's minutes? two years of their life. Okay, it's a you know it's a clever concept. I understand it's taken from a, a comic book called Sandcastle. Yes, which is strange. I thought it was strange when. After oh, they build sandcastles. After everyone dies <laughs> off, because most people die off. I'm not going to tell you who survives, so you can figure it out for yourself. No, but as far as we're concerned, everyone dies. As far as we're concerned, sure, whatever you want to tell the audience, <laughs> I don't give a shit. But they're trying to escape the beach, which everyone has subsequently either died of old age, like the grandma. Or the mom of the doctor, the dog, which they just say, oh, the dog's dead. Which they showed everyone else being dead except for the dog, which made me viscerally laugh when we were in the theater. But those two people that are left are trying to get off the beach, but they know they only have, what, 13 more hours left before they are old and die. But before they leave, they're like, oh, why don't we build a sandcastle? And I thought to myself... (laughs) 
who in their right mind decides to build a sandcastle when you're in the middle of this horrible experience? And then you mentioned to me it came that, from it came from that it story. came from the comic book. So yeah. I was like, oh, that makes perfect sense. But I, I didn't think of it at that time. Of it course. makes sense in the movie, but yeah. realistically speaking, it made absolutely no sense. I thought, you know, casting wise, it was very clever, except for seeing that uh, Garcia Bernal got too old. But the kids, have, as children, suddenly grow to teenagers, having him cast so well that they grow before your eyes. This is pretty cool. Yeah, the casting director did an amazing job. But who would have thought, since they suddenly are 16, 15, and 16, that they're reaching puberty and suddenly decide to secretly have sex well that's, i mean that was, it was so laughable i broke out laughing we all started laughing the theater started laughing well the way right? they filmed it i knew it was that was kind of the direction they were going in when they started filming them under the blanket together and i was yeah. like this is a little bit sexual and uh-huh. then cut two minutes later she's five months pregnant and she's having gonna have a baby it's absolutely breakout laughing yeah it was it was pretty, and maybe it's meant to be. Maybe he wanted it to be that. It was quite comical. And it was interesting seeing him go through very quick stages of maturation. So the kid grows up, and then he gets this girl pregnant. And he goes through stages where he goes, no, I love her. Like, we're going to get married together. And it's like, you've only known her <laughs> exactly for an hour. <laughs> but he's already committed to loving her. And yeah. it's very much reminiscent of what young love is like. You're kind of blinded mm-hmm. and kind of naive. And you say these things that you don't necessarily really mean. Or it's like, oh, we're going to be together forever. We're going to find a way to figure it out. So actually, you're sounding like you're enjoying this movie. But I didn't enjoy this movie. I enjoyed the movie. Did I, you? I did I did. You said that halfway through you got kind of bored because it dragged a little bit. I got bored. And, and I got angry when it ended. Because if it had ended the way I wanted it to end. They all would have died. Then they just, no, no, no. Then they, then they have to have all these people explain every moment of why it ended this way, and I don't want to. I don't, he took all the he took the bang out of what he had desired, what he had developed, but I don't want to explain. I don't think I actually don't take that perspective on that. When you have all these scientists say, "Oh, this is a, we've figured this whole thing out," blah blah blah. So why do you have to tell us this? Because well, audiences they they spoon feed the whole movie to you. Audiences are yes, they're dumbed down, but still, it, it could have been. It could have really been well, much the, more enjoyable if whatever happened at the end just happened and you cut. Well, the twist of cut. the movie, I didn't see it happening. I will say that. I think the ending was a culmination of years and years of them repeatedly doing this shit. So the way they explained it was, oh, it's cool and a miracle that we're doing this. And then it all blows up in their face. But the way that they do it is through callback, through a series of callbacks that you don't necessarily see in the beginning because you just think that they're human beings being annoying. But it's actually a purpose for it, which all good movies usually have. But having it explained detail by detail, I think, spoiled the ending for me. But uh, Then again, I, I was already unhappy when I walked in to see... Uh, M. Night Shyamalan? No, just to see Garcia. Oh, when he was old? And not speak English very well. Well, I guess if you had to rate the movie out of 10, what would you give it? I don't know, five. I, I, I can't imagine anyone's going to see it. I've not followed up on how it's doing. Well, you got mad at... I give it a seven. And you you were the one that got mad at me before 
we went because I was reading the reviews. And you're like, yeah, so don't read, don't, don't read don't the reviews. Read reviews. You're going to go into the movie knowing that it's trashed. And exactly. I thought it was better than the reviews. Don't read the reviews ahead of time. Yeah, I'm a firm believer in that. Make up your own mind. Well, that's it for this movie. Well, why have you not been the Shyamalan? This guy, I don't know how he can keep making these films. I, I've, in the early years, his great success... Well, he, he paid for his own movies. I don't know if he, still does Little. if he still does that. You know that? Hmm? He wrote Stuart Little. You know what Stuart Little is? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's what made him... I mean, he wrote something really early in his career that made him a ton of money before any of these movies. I think it was Stuart Little. I thought it was something with, love, something with love in the title. We'll have to check. Because Hugh Laurie was in Stuart Little. I mean, he does also he does the rewrites for non-credits. So he does a lot of... Well, he's a young man. He's only like 50. I know that's old for him, but... Uh... Young is... <laughs> I feel old, so calling him young just disregards my position on being 25, but 25. that's a whole other conversation. All I'm excited right. for... Now that we're done conversing about this movie, I'm excited for The French Dispatch, which... I don't think that'll be the next podcast. Maybe there'll be another one before it because I don't know when the French Stitch Pass comes out. Well, and unfortunately, they saved it till October. You know, but there's well, something else coming up that's pretty good. Actually, on Netflix, I think some good stuff coming. Out. I just I told you this this series I'd never seen before called "The Movies That Made Us." Have you seen this series? Yeah, yet? you told me about you, that. You've got to look that up. up. It's on Netflix, and it's a series of ten how they made these certain movies and it's 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 pretty terrific the movies that made us I don't know how old the series is but it, it covers how they made uh, I don't know Pretty Woman how they made Jurassic Park how they made Dirty Dancing and Die Hard there's a lot of movies that I haven't seen yet of course you can see it just watch the series then you can say you saw them I will it's really well done I, uh, I guess I'll plug something that I'm watching just because we're talking about what we're watching um, I was telling you about this earlier the show called The Prince on HBO Max and it's a parody it's an animated parody of the royal family it's current brand new just came out not too long ago and it's like what they're promoting on HBO Max Hmm. and if you're a fan of crass humor along the lines of Family Guy and American Dad and South South Park South Park I'd suggest watching it it's a very satirical parody of what the royal family is and then they have the animated twist to it and it's is it is it hilarious a, is it british or is it american what is can you tell it's an american show that is parodying the british royals okay and sometimes they even do a terrible british accent but it's funny well you've got me watching is it the hack oh yeah hack hack which i, I enjoyed to a point since you like stand-up comedy about sort of a joan rivers has been in Vegas, and a young girl. Well, rich has been because she's yeah. loaded. Because she's yeah, she's quite successful, and a young girl starting to write copy for her, sort of an Ellen Page type. Um, it's an interesting gig how that works. It's it's a strange. It's an angry show, and I I, I enjoy it. It's, I enjoy the tone. It's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's kind of it has its moments of feel good, but it's a very realistic show. Mm-hmm. That concept to me in comedy where someone helps you write stand-up material it makes me feel right writing it for a uh, slightly 60 year old woman and you're a 20 year old you're trying to feed lines to her and she's not going to accept it well usually stand-up comedies are very independent 
mm-hmm. thinking genre of art. Well, where... she's been doing her routine in Vegas for six, 50 or 60 years, and she can't handle having a 20-year-old come in and tell her how to redo it. Well, because that's... But she needs the help. Well, she needs in, it. In stand-up, you're used to doing everything on your own. Right. But there are things that you hear, such as like Chris Rock and his recent special, he had a bunch of people help him write. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to, to realize that even successful large artists need people to help them write. And it's a so career who, path that not a lot of people talk about. So who is this woman? Because she's pretty good. But she's terrific, whoever she she's is. She's very terrific. She's from Designing Woman, Mayor of Easttown. She's from Frasier. Dirty John, who Watchmen. Is the, she's who from Fargo. Is, who's the Ellen Page? It's not Ellen Page, but she might as well be. You need to say it right, Michael. It's oh, she changed Elliot Page. She Get changed, your transgender she, she changed, birds right. She changed it to El- Elliot. Uh, the other girl is named Hannah Einbinder. Hmm. Not completely sure if I said that right. Hopefully, I didn't butcher it. She been around. She's she was nominated for an Emmy for Hacks, hmm. but she doesn't seem to have a filmography that's that large. I think Hacks was like her major role. Yeah, Hacks seems to be her most famous role. It's worth it's worth your time. I didn't like it, but I got into it, and I I can appreciate it. She's the youngest daughter of SNL, Lorene Newman, and actor Chad Einbinder. I'm happy for her. <laughs> well, that's the end of the episode, guys. If you feel like watching any shows, I would recommend going to watch Hacks or The Prince, or that, going to watch Old by M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think you need old. Old. The title is it. Don't. No, I don't think you need it. Well. Good. Let's let them make that decision, and if they think it's trash, they can message us. Uh, some quick tidbits of information. Uh, we just started a Facebook page, so if you want to follow us on Facebook, you can do that. I'm not the biggest proponent, but you know we got to do what you got to do. And if you wanna want us to talk about anything film related, feel free to email us at nosenosepodcast.com. Nosenosepodcast at gmail.com. Excellent. And with that. Have a good Saturday, everyone. Michael. Hey. Enjoy your trip. Thank you. Bye.